1: Well, we head into our three. Um, I am Seth Liebson. This is kind of something—it's a little complicated, but um, it's important that—someone asked me the other day, they asked me, uh, you know, what's the first task in winning a political effort, winning a political campaign? And— you know what it is, really? Before anything else, it's never let the heat up. You know, always on offense. So I was thinking of a, um, I was thinking of a quote from a long ago former president of Harvard, Charles Eliot, who said, uh, let's see if I get this right, he said, In the campaign for moral development, no auxiliaries shall be refused. And I was thinking about that in respect of politics In the campaign for political advancement. No auxiliaries should be refused. No stories should be minimized or let go of. So to that end, over at uh, Powerline, Elizabeth Stouffer writes report, AIDS steer clear of discussing Hunter's legal woes with Biden. According to a new CNN report, President Joe Biden is so triggered by the media coverage swirling around his son that aides are refusing to even broach the topic with him. The president is said to be obsessed with and irritated by the press reports. Bear with me. This gets to something more than just Biden family intrigue. Well, what parent wouldn't be, Elizabeth writes, especially when... House investigators have already turned up evidence of Biden's own complicity in his son's overseas business dealings, and that evidence is slowly being corroborated by eyewitnesses, including Hunter's former close friend and business partner Devon Archer, and bank records. Speaking on the condition of anonymity, a senior Biden aide told CNN that mention of Hunter's legal woes elicits quote elicits quote a level of personal angst unlike any other challenge for the president. The aide said, quote, Hunter Biden is not a topic of discussion in co- campaign meetings. It's just not addressed. It's an interesting thing. Nothing elicits a personal angst more than discussion of his son. That in itself is a problem, I would think, for a president of the United States. Anyway, avoidance of a ses- sensitive topic because it upsets the candid- candidate is an outrageously stupid and dangerous strategy for any campaign, Stopher writes. The party's denial of reality comes off as gaslighting. In a recent interview with the American press, Democratic strategist Bill Burton, who was the deputy White House press secretary under Obama, foolishly predicted the Republicans' investigations of Hunter Biden would backfire. Here's what he said. Quote, from a political standpoint, I think Republicans are stupid to spend so much time talking about the president's son. People are going to be voting on the economy. They're going to be voting on who's tougher on social media companies and national security. As a dad, I think it's pretty disgusting that you would attack someone's son like this, close quote. She writes, I cite Burton's remarks because as unimaginably absurd as they sound, they are a fair representation of the Democratic talking points we hear every day on cable news and from White House Press Secretary Karen Jean-Pierre. This is sheer gaslighting, and I'm pretty sure Americans aren't buying it. I ho- I'd hope Democrats do make the economy a major campaign issue. Although they tout the fact that the Biden administration has brought inflation down to 3.2%, consider what they've done to interest rates to achieve it. And consider that the 9.1% year-over-year increase in consumer prices reached in June 2022 is now baked into the cake. We are paying more than 15% more for consumer goods across the board than we were when Biden took office. For consumer staple items like food and energy, the increases are obviously far higher. Moreover... The sheer audacity of asking which party is tougher on social media companies and national security is breathtaking. I'm pretty sure the collusion exposed between Democrats and the social media companies by the Twitter files and Biden's shameful withdrawal from Afghanistan, the most humiliating military disaster in modern memory, answers those questions. Despite the party's attempts to minimize it, the truth is that the story of the Biden family's influence peddling business is growing bigger by the day. And the campaign's head in the sand approach is no longer working. They simply must address the white elephant in the room. The Democrats insistence that investigators haven't produced evidence tying Biden to his son's wrongdoing assumes that Americans are stupid. Aside from the roughly one third of the electorate who will pull the lever for Biden no matter what, voters are waking up to the reality of the Biden family's influence peddling business. And they are finally beginning to grasp that without Joe Biden, there is no business. As Devin Archer confirmed during his transcribed interview with the House Oversight Committee, quote, then Vice President Joe Biden was the brand that his son sold around the world to enrich the family. A recent Fox News poll of registered voters conducted uh, in mid-August found that when it comes to Hunter Biden's business dealings, nearly 40 percent Nearly 40 percent of voters believe Joe Biden acted illegally and another 25 percent feel he acted unethically. That's 63 percent. Those numbers will increase as more evidence is corroborated. Only 34 percent think he did nothing wrong. During a 2020 interview, October 2020 interview with Tucker Carlson, Tony Bobulinski, a former Hunter Biden business partner, said, quote, I remember looking at Jim Biden. That's Joe's brother. And saying, how are you guys getting away with this? Like, aren't you concerned? And he he looked at me and laughed a little bit and said, plausible deniability, close quote. Well, plausible deniability has now given way to the theater of the absurd. And frankly, I don't see how Joe Biden can remain above the fray much longer. I assume Democrats are working behind the scenes on a plan B. If they aren't, they should be. In uh, Fox News op-ed today, former Representative Jason Chaffetz of Utah writes that Biden is in hiding mode. He argues, quote, he isn't sharing his vision for the future. He is hiding, hiding from the press, hiding from the scandals and hiding from his own incompetence as a commander in chief, close quote. He notes that Biden skipped the Iowa State Fair instead to lounge on the beach the weekend that Maui was burning. Chaffetz reports. Though Biden has begun hiring fundraisers for the 2024 campaign, his operation is a tiny skeleton crew of staffers working exclusively out of his home state of Delaware. That puts them closer to his homes near Wilmington and Rehoboth Rehoboth Beach, but far from the center of gravity in swing states or the nation's capital. As of last quarter, he had just four people on the payroll, all working out of the party offices. In July, the campaign announced the hiring of a few fundraisers. But there seems to be little urgency to mount a full-scale campaign, and the first primary voters are five months away. He concludes, as so many are, that Joe Biden will not run in 2024. He may or may not be right. I hope Biden runs because I would fear, frankly, another Democrat, particularly Gavin Newsom. But it is interesting to me that the Democratic talking point that keeps going forward, that keeps getting put out, is that it's stupid for Republicans to spend so much time on this, as uh, Bill Burton said. And the first rule we should always take is whenever a Democrat is advising what Republicans should do, think about that. Think about that very seriously. Think about how – Think it. that's like the old Jim Gaffigan joke – uh when you go on a campsite and you see a sign that says if you see a bear don't run play dead and he says who wrote that the bear you know so when republicans tell excuse me when democratic strategists tell republicans what's best for their party just think about who's guarding what hen house here then when he says people are going to be voting on the economy you bet they are i don't know why they think that's a strong suit for them nor do i understand why they thought it was a good idea to tie to colligate Joe Biden's name to the economy with Bidenomics. I can't imagine what the thinking was over there. The idea that there is so little political staff might give some insight into how badly that campaign is being run or how unseriously it's being run because it knows it's not going to be the campaign. That is to say, it knows it's not going to be a Joe Biden candidacy that they care about. You know, that social media issue, who's tougher on social media companies and national security? Yeah, I'd like that fight. I'd like that fight very much, and I want to talk about it with relation to something Mary Anastasia O'Grady wrote in The Wall Street Journal today. We'll do so when we come right back. There's my guy, Brandon Weikert. Love having Brandon Weikert on on uh, Mondays, closing out our hour with us. Uh, He can be followed on Twitter at WeTheBrandon. Uh, several important books uh, to his credit, uh, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I'm doing just fine. I was just sharing with the audience, I'd love your take on this, Brandon, for all our national security and foreign policy talk. You uh, you are also wonderful on, uh, on domestic policy and politics, where you... Uh, where you write a lot at 1945.com, where you're a senior editor. But I was talking about this interesting uh, story going around that uh, you may or may not have seen. I picked it up from Powerline that uh, more and more staffers in the Biden White House are saying how it's impossible to bring up the issue of Hunter Biden with the president because nothing irks him more. And Bill Burton, who was Obama's deputy White House uh, press secretary back in the day, and is you know a Democratic strategist, he was saying, "I think Republicans are stupid to spend so much time talking about the president's son. People are going to be voting on the economy. They're going to be voting on a tougher on social media and national security." And I thought, "Geez, you know, first of all, first rule when when Democrats are telling Republicans what's in their best interest, <laughs> yellow right. light that for a right. moment. The idea that the Democrats think we should be running." Uh, they should be that they should be running on the economy. To me, is especially interesting. I, I I am still befuddled as to why they wanted to tie Biden's name to the economy with Bidenomics. But then when he says they're going to be voting on social media companies and national security, I thought, are people really with the Democratic Party on that too? I I saw Mary Anastasia Grady at the Wall Street Journal did a piece on AOC. AOC doing a t- tour down in uh, Latin America with, you know, all the Marxist thugs down there to learn about how to handle disinformation. I just thought, man, this is a campaign I'm kind of looking forward to, especially if the Democrats think they have the upper hand on that. I threw a lot at you. I'll let you unwind it anyway.
0: Yeah, well, the the um, the first part is the staff. Um, you know, I have an inside line to a pretty— uh, important part of uh, biden's security detail okay. and uh the secret service knows is everybody in the secret service details convinced he's senile
1: okay
0: and so you have you can throw that data point in there as well it's anecdotal it's conjectural i can't prove it that's just what one person i know who's very close with the secret service detail has said um in the last 24 hours the fact of the matter is though what republicans need to be figuring out is how the heck this is even a competitive race yeah. because that is, I think the real indictment here on our side is this should be like so clearly a slam dunk for the Republicans. And I think that we as a party need to be figuring out how is it that this is even a competition with sleepy Joe. And when it comes to Hunter Biden, as I said in my article at 1945.com, I think a day or two ago, um, you know, Hunter Biden, it's not about Hunter. Right. If this was just about a guy with an addiction issue who happens to be the president's son, nobody would care. Right. The fact of the matter is, this is a guy who was a cutout or a frontman for what was obviously a larger Biden family operation to go around the world and leverage Joe Biden's various positions in power for money with foreign regimes, many of which are not friendly with the United States. And so that's the scandal here. And so what we're all trying to determine, at least those of us interested in the truth, which, of course, the Democrats aren't. They never have been. uh, But for those of us interested in the truth, the Republicans in the House, and I think to some extent Trump and DeSantis and some of the main players on the Republican ticket, possibly, for the presidency, um, all of us are trying to figure out, was Joe Biden directly involved? Did he benefit directly from Hunter Biden's uh, you know, entire business model. Now the Democrats are, you know, Daniel Goldman, representative from uh, Democrat from uh, Connecticut, insists that that By- Hunter was just selling the illusion of access right. to people, which of course is, was proven to be a flat-out lie. Right. That was a complete lie. Right. Devin Archer, who was Hunter Biden's business partner for years met Joe Biden on several occasions, was in key meetings when when Joe Biden called in to seal the deal for Hunter with these foreign leaders. um, Devin Archer testified under oath that it was not selling the illusion of access. They were selling access to Biden. And so what we need to figure out and what I think they're close to doing, and I know people are very cynical on our side because of how badly Durham went, the Durham uh, investigation. But I think that the House C O P is very close to finding that decisive link. They've already found that Joe Biden was using aliases. And so it's a question of when not if we find that that sort of smoking gun uh, linkage that is beyond a shadow of a doubt between Hunter Biden's business and the president.
1: Right. I agree with you. And uh, as one, as um as Devin Archer was testifying, as I was re- re- uh, reminding the audience earlier as well, you know, it's it's a whole other question as to just what the whole brand was in the first place. I mean, you know, this this defense uh, of Hunter Biden, uh, it, the whole business model was based on the fact that his last name was Biden. People say, well, he'd be treated differently if it weren't Biden. He wouldn't be in the business if his last name weren't Biden.
0: Well, put it this way, Devin Archer, who clearly was a very competent business guy by by training and by success rate um made it very clear that the only reason he was friends with Hunter Biden was because it was it was in his business's best um advantage, best interest to have Biden with the name like the Biden family's name behind the Rosemont Seneca partners otherwise this guy, Devin Archer, wouldn't have been wouldn't have given two craps about, about <laughs> right. uh, you know, the, the former president, right. uh, the, the first son. That's and right. So th- I mean, it's very obvious. Of course, the Democrats are, you know, lying for the Democrats, particularly the elected Democrats and sort of their apparatus. It's like it's akin to breathing. It just comes naturally for them. <laughs> um, and, you know, they're deflect. I mean, it's really disgusting because when you think about how Trump was treated during the Ukraine phone call, you know, that led to the first impeachment. They used every little bit of non-evidence that they could, used it as evidence to, to divide the country really badly, and they pushed an impeachment through that, let's face it, really could have gone either way at one point. But the Republicans, meanwhile, are being held to this insanely absurd standard when Hunter is so obviously not only guilty of the things he's being charged with, but he's obviously doing it in cahoots with his father. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it's interesting. to I me, mean, I was making the point the other day, maybe we can pick up on this on the other side of the break, Brandon. I was making the point the other day, you know, you would think an interested media might want to put some of these sticks together and tie them up. You would think that... An interested media would want to look into these multivariated, variegated banking accounts, you know. Yes. But I'm thinking The Washington Post, The New York Times. Oh, yeah, they won't. They won't because the rule is when Republicans are in power. The media will investigate the hell out of Republicans. When Democrats are in power, the media will investigate the hell out of Republicans. That's right. the journalist's single step. Let me take a quick commercial where he can come back with you. Thank you for getting that. Uh, Brandon Weichert is my guest, and he and I will be right back. Brandon Weichert is my guest. W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T is how he spells his last name, among other things. Senior editor at 1945.com. Brandon, let me take advantage of your uh, international and uh, national security uh, credentials for a moment, and we'll work it back into the domestic policy. I just was mentioning, I think a moment ago, Mary Anastasia O'Grady's covering of um, a bunch of these Democrats led by AOC to go down to Latin America. Here. AOC says, we have much to learn from our comp- counterparts in these countries, including how to confront disinformation and violent threats to our democracies as she went off to Brazil, Colombia, and Chile with 10 other congressional Democrats and staffers. Much to learn. Brazil is a nominal democracy, but its Supreme Court is now using a war on disinformation to justify a crackdown on free speech, the likes of which hasn't been seen since the 1964-1985 military dictatorship. What is it, Brandon, about this fascination with trying to crush disinformation as democrats see it and coddling up to dictators to learn how to do it
0: well i think the the evidence is right where aoc is choosing to go brazil has just overthrown its duly elected leadership uh, Jair bolsonaro a great right-wing guy wonderful man I, i wrote very favorably of his space policy in my first book winning space it's very telling that that's where she's going, Mm -hmm. right? She's going to the place where there is an active, rolling administrative coup against the duly elected government. Kind of sounds like what's been going on in this country at least since 2016 when Donald Trump was elected, Mm -hmm. just a little bit. Mm -hmm. They're sort of telling us where they they want to go next. Mm -hmm. And it is my opinion, and this is why, and I know your audience might be annoyed with me talking about this, but this is why I am convinced that Donald Trump is not the right guy, because the the deep state or the administrative state has got his number with their continuing, slow-rolling administrative coup. They have figured out how to beat Trump. It's not in elections, not fair elections at least. It's using the judiciary as a weapon, just like they did to Bolsonaro and Brazil, in, in Brazil rather. And so I think that AOC and the left are telling us exactly where this is headed. This is headed into Donald Trump is yet again going to be ground beneath the jackboots of a politicized, weaponized Justice Department and intelligence community series of investigations. Um, and I think that's where this is headed. And so, of course, they're looking at that as an example because the, the Brazilian elite, their liberals over there, the socialists, just successfully ousted an elected right-wing government, the so-called Trump of Brazil, Bolsonaro. And they did it without really a fair election. They did it all through manipulation. And that's what they're going to do here if Trump's the nominee for the Republican Party in 2024.
1: Let me think that out loud with you and, and play devil's advocate on behalf of uh, Trump supporters on that point, if I could, with you for a second. Brandon. Sure. Thanks. One is they might say in response that having been so thoroughly investigated inside and out there may not be. There's probably not much more to discover. Possible argument number one. Possible argument number two is they'll do the same to Desantis. They'll do the same to Ramaswamy and Tim Scott. They'll do the same to almost any Republican. Those would be their arguments.
0: Yes, I know those arguments. And the, I'll, I'll answer the, the second part first. Okay. I can't speak. I can't speak to Tim Scott or Ramaswamy. I can speak to Desantis. There is no dirt to be had on that guy. Mm-hmm. Nothing. He, he he is a player in that system, so he, he is much more effective at maneuvering through the currents and the eddies uh, of the, the, the administrative state than Trump was. Trump was a bull in a china shop. We needed that in 2016. Now we need something a bit more surgical in depth. We need an insurgent. Then there's also, I'll go to the first point now. The first point is that uh, Donald Trump Believe me, there's a heck of a lot more they're going to be able to generate about him, either made up entirely or he's going to self-incriminate like he always does or, you know, he he has no discipline when it comes to when he's under the gun the way he is legally, he tends to just pop off and he doesn't seem to understand that that is when they use that against him. Remember how he had the Russia collusion investigation? Total lie. But why did, were they able to initiate the investigation? It wasn't anything the left did. It was because Trump fired Comey, and then he turned around and told Lester Holt, I fired him because he was investigating me for Russia. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the triggering event. And so Trump has a tendency to make his situation worse with loose, undisciplined talk. You need somebody who's much more disciplined to fight the deep state. That's the only way this thing is going to work, because if you go head on against the deep state, as Chuck Schumer rightly told Trump, they're going to find six ways from Sunday yeah. to screw you over. Yeah. And they have done that.
1: Yeah. Let me take a, that was a short segment. We have a longer one coming up, Brandon. Sure. Let me take a quick commercial break and pick up on some of that with you. And, and then I want to talk to you about, you know, the, a little bit more about social media disinformation and censorship. It's just it's become such an oddly pregnant issue. I cannot figure out for the life of me why the Democrats think it's a good one and a winning one. But it might be in part what you were saying. It might be a few other things. I'll run by you when we come right back. Welcome back to The Seth Liebsen Show. Delighted to have uh, Brandon Weikert uh, as our guest. He is the author of several important books, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy," and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. Get to the national security and defense and foreign policy element of the campaign in a minute with you, Brandon. But just one more thing on social media and disinformation. I Kind of thought that when the Democrats first started, and particularly at this White House, first started floating this notion. I believe it was kind of a one-two step. Barack Obama gave a speech at Stanford, and it was followed by a follow. It was followed by a White House announcement that they were going to be targeting. And anyone who paid attention would have seen it early on with some of the things Jen Psaki was saying back when she held the perch. Karen Jean Pierre now has. When it came to COVID misinformation on social media or disinformation, I thought they would let up with the reaction. And I thought with Elon Musk's purchasing of Twitter or Twitter X or whatever it's now called, that there would have been a big backlash against this notion of censorship. I don't know if, like me, you have been amazed at how much poignancy it still seems to have and resonate with the left. They, they, they've seized on a word that really seems to resonate for them, disinformation, All it is is opposition to certain opinions. That's all it is. I saw a New York Times book review yesterday. Well, it's in a book review. Sorry. New York Times story in the book review section on this new publisher that publishes those that others won't, like Robert Kennedy and Alan Dershowitz, right, and Jonathan. There was an interesting sentence that this story, it wasn't a review. It wasn't an opinion piece. It was a story about this publisher, and it said, for example, Robert Kennedy Jr. says outrageously unjustifiable things about Anthony Fauci in his book – for example, quote, Anthony Fauci is a force for evil and darkness, close quote. That's, uh-huh. that, 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 that's an opinion. Agree or disagree, it's an opinion. <laughs> it is not right. an outrageously false statement. Not in right. a news story. Anyway, you take right. my point.
0: Uh, well, I mean, the Democrats are masters of deflection, and they're masters of doublespeak. I yeah, mean, 1984, 1984 was written, I think, with the modern Democratic yeah. Party in mind, still because it's a how-to manual, yeah. it seems, for how the Democrats are behaving. So disinformation now is really just opposition media. Right. It's you know, And it's the opposition media that's based in facts still. I mean, most of the things that you're reading coming from right-leaning organizations They tend to be based in fact, maybe their opinion, but they tend to be based in fact. They just are facts that don't align with the Democrats' preferred narrative. So the Democrats have figured out we can't beat the Republicans in a fair fight. I think this is why Trump is so appealing, because he's sort of like America's id. It's just like he's just a rage monster, because I think the Republican Party rightly is fed up with having to pretend like it's a fair game when it's clearly not, and you look at how the Democrats are rigging everything, and so yeah, you're going to understandably be attracted to this kind of orange fireball who's just going to burn the place down. But of course, the problem with that is he's going to burn friendly as well as foes yeah. down. Yeah. Um, and so I think that when you look at the the way that they co-opt the language on the left, it, it it's almost like they're 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 kind of. Um, silencing us without actually physically silencing us. They're removing the meaning of words, and they're changing the meaning of words very slyly so that anything they say is not just information, it's fact. And then anything that we say is disinformation, and therefore it needs to be censored, and it needs to be crushed, and it needs to be sent to the ether, because how dare we even utter a slightly questionable word I lived through that as did many people in our industry. I lived through that during COVID when they went after my original um, uh, you know Twitter for I was you know tweeting about the origins of COVID. I lived through that in 2020 when I was tweeting about the uh, the, the truth about the Beirut blast right. and, and Oh right,
1: right. Gosh, that seems and forever so, ago. So, you knows. know, it's
0: yeah. it's anything that they don't like that the elite that tend to be Democrats nowadays, mm-hmm. they don't like they're going to label as disinformation and they're allowed to because they've also conquered not just news media and academia but also now social media so all of the forms of of information sharing in our society they're all controlled the conduits are by the democrats and so you and I talking right now, maybe opinion, but now it's no longer just opposition opinion. It's now disinformation. That's Whereas, right. It's a false. You fact. know, MSNBC doing the same thing for the Democrats. That's fact. Right. Hundred percent.
1: Yeah. No. That, that 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 is exactly right. You know what? Our we have a we kind of we have a T-shirt around here, and we, we have uh, we have sometimes giveaways of uh, of these uh, car scent hangers. Mo hashtag MOFA make Orwell fiction again is what that stands <laughs> for. Sometimes there's we,
0: no going we, back. I'm Unfortunately.
1: (laughs) Well, well, it raises that question then of that. I wanted to get to with you of the election next year as a national security election. It will be on the economy and it will be on social issues, of course. But a few elections now and again also do revolve around national security. Not a lot, but a few. And it seems to me, whether it's Afghanistan, whether it's Iran, whether it's the Ukraine, Russia thing, whether it's China, this needs to be a national security election, too.
0: Yeah, it needs to. It won't, though. I mean, I'm very disheartened by the percentage of Americans who are willing to agree with Biden that the Afghan pullout was not only necessary, which I think most people can agree, yeah, it would need to happen at some point, but that the way it happened wasn't good. But I think that many Americans are fine with the way it happened, or at least ambivalent. And nobody seems to realize that the moment we pulled out of Afghanistan the way we did, when we did, how we did, that that is the trigger point. That 100 years from now, when if there is anybody left, historians will be looking back trying to figure out what precipitated the Third World War. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, it's going to be the butterfly effect geopolitically from the way that the Biden administration terminated our involvement in Afghanistan. And the fact of the matter is a majority of Americans either don't want to talk about it or they're tacitly okay with it because they all think that any way we got out was a, was a great way. Yeah. They don't recognize that that was a signal to Russia to go into Ukraine. That was a signal to Iran to continue yep. doing what they're doing. Right. That was a signal to North Korea to continue building their bombs. And that was a signal to China that, hey, at some point you're going to be able to take Taiwan. Yeah, And uh, that's the trigger point right there.
1: That's the trigger point right there. I couldn't believe how irresponsible Vivek Ramaswamy was in his comments about Taiwan. He's, I th- vi- he's very
0: irresponsible. You know, I told you this last week, and I stand by it. He's a charlatan. He there there is something more going on here that is not he's not an honest actor. Um, you know, people may hate DeSantis, but at least he's being open about what he's trying to do. There's absolutely no question, yes, he's challenging Trump and he's gonna do it. Trump doesn't like DeSantis, Trump's very open about who he is, but Vivek Ramaswamy is very sly and I don't trust him. And I think he's up to something more. And I I mean, at the best case scenario is he's playing for hopefully being Trump's VP. But if Trump's the nominee, I can guarantee you, he will not be the VP nominee. It's going to be Mickey Haley, unfortunately. You
1: think? Oh um, boy, that's a big one, uh, because you think he needs a woman. I saw that column. Well, he of needs your, a woman. Yeah, yeah. But but I you dropped that, that grenade just as we're finishing up, Brandon. <laughs> oh my God! Can you come back later? This way? Yeah, way to drop a grenade in a room and walk out. You can't do that <laughs> to do. me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what you do best. Oh my gosh! Well, it was abbreviated People with you. More. <laughs> okay, uh, maybe we will. Yeah, let's uh, look at the Let schedule. Maybe we can pick up on this a little more tomorrow if you have some time.
0: Uh, yeah, what's tomorrow Tuesday? Yeah, uh,
1: we'll figure it out off here. Sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right, Brandon Weicker, <laughs> bless you for everything, and thank you for all. all. I'll be <laughs> right back. See you later. Yeah. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Well, go back to the economy for a moment with the bank failures and the stock market's volatility and speculation of a recession, certainly the inflation that we were talking about at the beginning of this segment this hour. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve, any of that stuff? A portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Y-Refi has that investment for you. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi. And Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10 and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34 or visit them in person, or do all three. They're based here locally, and they encourage you to stop by their offices. They're on Scottsdale Road and the 101. You go there, no one's going to give you a sales pitch. They leave that up to me. But when you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you can and will, too. I know Brandon's thesis as to why he thinks it's Nikki Haley. I disagree with him, and we're going to get him back on uh next day or so to talk about that. Brandon's thesis is that with the Republican Party's branding doing so poorly with women, particularly suburban women, that Donald Trump if he is the nominee and my god, I mean the likelihood of it is just so high that he is that he needs a um he needs a female running mate. But there are other choices beyond Nikki Haley. Um there are I think even smarter choices than Nikki Haley. I don't know why Christy Noam of South Dakota has ha, has fallen off the analysis of a great running mate uh, she would be a fantastic running mate now I think maybe she might even be campaigning for it if you watch you know Fox News you see she's doing a lot of ads on behalf of her beloved South Dakota as a tourism spot right or, or as a place to move your business even I think Christy Noam would be one um you know what he could really send a missile up the Democratic Party's elbow if he looked at someone like Winsome Sears, that strong lieutenant governor from Virginia, who is also very good on the cultural issues, which, frankly, Donald Trump doesn't love talking about as much. Um, I Nikki Haley is very articulate, but God, what, did it, what was the best analysis I heard of her? It actually came from our own Mr. Bill when she announced her campaign. Mr. Bill said, um, she says everything perfectly. And I hope she's never near the White House again. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Uh, Folks, thanks for spending your afternoon with us. David Dahl, bless you and thank you for everything. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Liebson on behalf of David and Bill. Class is dismissed.